who can be a pastor? Does the Bible give us qualifications? What about those who feel called to be pastors but don't meet the qualifications? How do we deal with them? And is our view of the pastorate based on the scriptures? Or are we blowing to and forth, to and fro with the culture? We'll discuss that and more on The Theological Patriot. One of the biggest debates that's going on currently within Christendom is that of the position of women. Every so often, every 20, 30 years or so, this comes back to the forefront and there's a huge debate on women pastors and women elders that there seems to be this argument that those who do not think women can be pastors are sexist, that they're unbiblical. But this is not a new argument. This is something that's been going on for literally millennia. That even in the days of the Apostle Paul, these things were going on. There were these arguments, there were these these struggles that women were wanting to be preachers, be pastors, be elders, be overseers. What what if that's not what their role is? What if there is a natural order to things? What if God has set things forth in his word and it is our job not to let culture influence the scriptures? But instead, let the scriptures influence culture. That I mean, one of the one of the big issues arises when we don't see the sufficiency of scripture. That we try to complicate things. We try to look at it through the lens of a twenty-first century American. And we want to take what the culture says and what's popular and what makes us feel good and to implement that on the scriptures. But that's not how we should be living our lives as Christians. It should not cause us great pains if there is something that we want to be in the scriptures but we don't we don't see it we don't we don't need to become, make things more complicated more complicated than they are that when the bible says something if it's black and white if it's clear in the text then why do we complicate it? Why do we make it more complicated than it needs to be? Because we're sinners. That's what we do. We make things complicated. We see this issue when it comes to salvation. Paul was dealing with this. Jesus was dealing with this. All of the apostles were dealing with this. That there would be people that would say, you need to have faith, but in order to keep that faith, you have to do this laundry list of things. 
But we know and we've seen as we've gone through this podcast that there is not enough good that we can do because it's not our salvation. That there were those who said in order to be a Christian, first you have to become a Jew, you have to be circumcised, you have to go through these washings. And in many ways, we're still fighting that battle. That it may not be, you can't be a Christian if you're not circumcised or if you don't do these various washings. But we've come up with our own laundry list. You can't be a Christian if you don't look this way, if you don't act this way, if you don't like these things. If you do like these things, if you... have your life looking fantastic and everything looks pristine. We try to put a weight on the gospel that is not there. That Jesus tells us, he tells us what the gospel is. He tells us how to believe the gospel, how to come to him in faith. It's very simple. The message of Jesus is repent. Turn from your sin. That's how you become a Christian. Then if you do it properly, then you will have changes in your life. Things that were attractive to you are no longer attractive to you. You don't want to sin anymore. You don't want to do the things that the world does. You want to be set apart. Now, that's not going to make you more saved. That's not going to help you keep your salvation. It's going to be evidence that you are saved. That it's going to show the fruits of what is on the inside. That's why we have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These aren't things that are options. They will be manifested in the life of a Christian. But too often we try to make things that are plainly taught in Scripture Super complicated. Because we don't like things that are simple. We like to earn things. We like to earn our salvation. We like to say, well, I've done good works, therefore God will let me into heaven. We like to add things to scripture because that's in our nature. That's the old self that we're fighting against. But when something is plain in Scripture, sometimes we will we'll take a step back and say, well, it can't be that simple. That can't be how easy that it is. Salvation can't just be repentance and putting my faith in Jesus Christ. It can't be that easy. And so when we stick our noses in it and try to philosophize about something, that's when we get into trouble. And here we are once again, a clear teaching in the scriptures may not make us feel super great. But that's what the Word of God says. And when we let the culture influence it, when we don't see the Scriptures as sufficient, then that's when we get into all kinds of theological issues. So, what is 
What is the argument? What What is the big issue? Well, honestly, the big issue is that women want to have authority over men. That's it. Hey, men have been given the authority over women, not in a oppressive way. It's not that God has said to men, you are the head of the household. And then men can say, well, I'm the head. You do what I say. No. Ephesians chapter 5 says the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church and laid down his life for her. So women are to be submissive, not as servants and saying everything that your husband says, you say, Yes, master. Yes, master. Yes, master. With no qualms about it. Because being a man, we say some pretty stupid things. We say things that are completely out of left field, would never work. We say a lot of boneheaded things. And if we say something that is sinful, as our helper, it is our wives' duty to correct us in that, in love. Now, if you're at church, if you're out in public, you don't say, well, that was a stupid thing to say. You may let your husband, if he says something, you may quietly ask if you can take him aside and you discuss it. You don't try to purposefully embarrass your husband. But we see husbands are the head of the wife, the leader of the family. That's what we're told. But just as Christ is the head of the church and laid down his life for her. The woman's role is to be submissive. That you discuss things with your husband. You discuss things with the men that are in authority. So if you're a single woman, your father Or your pastor, you discuss these things with them. With you make you if you have a decision, you maybe you discuss it with them. If it's something that could have big ramifications, but when push comes to shove, for a married couple, for a husband and wife, the husband is the final word. And he is to be the one to lay down his life for the family. Ladies, you are not called to lay down your life for your husband. You are called to love your husband, to be submissive to him. But you are not called to lay down your life for him. So God has placed men as the head of the family that wives are to be submissive to the husbands but a lot of people today don't like that idea they'll use the scripture in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 where Paul tells the church in Galatia that there is neither 
Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, does that mean when we're in the church that there are no more gender roles, that there's no differences between us? No, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul, speaking of salvation, speaking spiritually, we are all equal in Christ. It's not that men are saved one way and women are saved a different way. That we are all saved by the precious blood of Jesus. That women are not less saved by Jesus because they're women. And men are not more saved by Jesus because they're men. We are equal, spiritually speaking. But when we look at it in the most general terms we can, women are weaker than men. I know that's a big topic as well, that there's no difference between men and women. Men don't have more testosterone than women, that if someone claims to be a man, but they were born a woman, that they're no different than a person that was born a man and stays a man and a man that becomes a woman is the exact same thing as a woman who has been born a woman, who's been a woman her whole life. That all of that is bonkers. That if you take the greatest woman in sports, that if you take a Serena Williams and you put them against an Andy Roddick, or if you take the best WNBA player, you put them against LeBron James, who's going to win? The man is going to win. That if you take the greatest female swimmer and you put them up against Michael Phelps, you say there's no difference. These are the best. Michael Phelps will win. Easily. Because there is a difference between men and women. We are not the same physically or emotionally. As a general rule, women are usually more emotional than men. Now, I know there are men that are more sensitive, that there are men that at times can be more emotional than women. But as a general rule, if you were to, if you were to look at men and women as a whole, physically and emotionally, women are physically weaker and more emotion, more emotional. That's not a knock on women. That's just how, how it is. That doesn't mean that women are any less. We've already looked at that. We are the same spiritually. But physically, men are made stronger because it is our duty to protect That's what God has given us as a role. That when there's a loud crash, I don't send my wife. I go. I go check it out. If there's a commotion outside, I don't send my wife. I go. I am the protector. I am the one that will lay down my life for my family. That it is a weak man 
who tr- who makes his wife his protector. And so God has created us while we are the same spiritually we are different. We are given different jobs. And we are all given these specific jobs because that's how God created us to be. And that's how God wanted it to be because it is orderly. It is how, because God knows all. We are, we've already looked at through this podcast, God is sovereign. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows it all. And God knows exactly how it will work perfectly. And that's how he has designed it. He has designed the men to be stronger than the women, to be the protectors, to be the ones that go off to battle, to be the ones that when there's a noise outside, they're the ones to go check it out. They're the one to stand up when push comes to shove and protect their families. We are different. And that's how God designed it. No matter what the culture tells us, we are different. And that's okay. It's okay to be different. That doesn't mean God doesn't use strong women. That doesn't mean that women are just weak, little, feeble things that can't be strong. There are definitely strong women in the scriptures. There are strong women today. I am married to a very strong woman. She is smarter than I will ever be. But just because a woman is strong, that doesn't mean she's any less of a woman. God designed women to be strong. Look at what you guys can do. I don't know a man alive that would want to go through childbirth. If they do, they're a glutton for punishment. I've seen my wife give birth. I don't want to go through that. She is stronger than I am. But there are certain things that I can do that my wife can't. God has gifted us differently, and that is beautiful. So we are different. That's okay. God has given us specific roles. That women are to be submissive to their husbands. We are to be submissive to Christ as he was submissive to the Father. So what about this this argument that is stirring about? Can a woman be a pastor, be an elder, be an overseer? Well, this is, again, not a difficult topic. We have just muddied the waters because... That's what we love to do. So what is the office of an elder? Well, we are told in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're given this um, 
checklist almost of what it what is an overseer what are what's the job of an overseer what are the qualifications that we read first timothy 3 it is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer it is a fine work that he desires to do An overseer then must be above reproach that, not that he's perfect, but that he should live his life in such a way that people can't point out, well, he's preaching this, but he's living his life in that way. Above, living your life above average, above reproach. The husband of one wife That's very self-explanatory. To be an overseer, you have to be a husband of one wife. So a woman can't be a husband of one wife. That if you're a homosexual, you have bigger issues than, than this. Number one, a homosexual cannot be an elder or an overseer in the church of Jesus Christ. That is not allowed. That is not permitted by the scriptures. So the husband of one wife, temperate, not short-tempered, can control his anger. Prudent respectable, that he is one that lives his life in such a way that people respect him, that he's caring. that he's hospitable, is willing to be around people, is willing to invite people to his office to take them to lunch, to invite him into their invite them into their his home. Able to teach. You can't be a good leader if you cannot teach. Now you're not now starting out, you're not gonna be a Charles Spurgeon, a Jonathan Edwards, a Martin Luther, a Steve Lawson, John Piper, John MacArthur. You're not going to be a great teacher starting out. But the ability to teach is something that you can learn how to do. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious. Not addicted to wine. You're not, you can't be a pastor and be a raging alcoholic. You have to be able to control yourself. Because if you're a raging alcoholic, you're not in control of yourself. Because the alcohol is controlling you. So you cannot be an alcoholic. You can't be pugnacious you can't be a be just blowing up and wanting to fight everything but gentle peaceable free from the love of money gentle that doesn't mean weak gentle peaceable doesn't seek out fights That we're told by Jesus that as much as it concerns you, be at peace with all men. Now, people will be angry at you. But you don't go seeking fights. You seek to be at peace as much as it concerns you. 
not a lover of money. You don't get into ministry for the money. Unless you have a big church that pays not that great anyway. That if you get into ministry for the money, you're in ministry for the wrong reasons. Because if you are in it for money, then you won't be as firm because the money could dry up if you don't, if you call out someone's secret sin. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control in all dignity, and not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation with those outside of the church so that he will not fall into reproach and snare and the snare of the devil. So to be a pastor, to be an overseer, you must, one, you desire a good work. God says this is an honorable thing. You have to live your life in such a way that you live separate. You don't get angry at every little thing that pops up. You are peaceable. You need to be respected. People will not follow someone they do not respect. You must be the husband of one wife. Husband. Not wife of one husband. Husband of one wife. That is what it says. Black and white. Cannot be a new convert because you don't have a deep knowledge. You are easily persuaded. So you need to be firm in your theology and in your doctrine, because when false doctrine will try to creep in, and we all know that it will, you can stand up and say, this is not true. That you can say with certainty, thus saith the Lord. That you don't have to really know every single thing about whatever doctrine that someone presents. You just know it's not hitting my ear correctly. That, I mean, the, the example has been given of a bank teller. If you're if you're a bank teller, they don't come to you and say this is what counterfeit feels like. What they do is they give you stacks upon stacks of real $100 bills. And they say, "Okay, run these through your fingers." And you do, you do it again and again and again. And then they say, okay, in these five stacks, there is one counterfeit bill. Find it. And you go through, you run the bills through your fingers and there could be something that's just slightly off with the counterfeit. It could look exactly the same. There could be something that feels off. And a good bank teller will be able to figure out this is not this is not a real dollar bill. This is not a real $100 bill. Because it doesn't feel right. Something feels off. 
So those are the qualifications of a pastor. And people say, well, what if someone is, what if a woman feels called to be a pastor? Well, one, check and pray about that calling. Because if it's a calling from God, it will not contradict his word. And women being pastors contradicts the very word of God, black and white. We've just gone through it. That a woman should not be in a Christian family where husband and wife are both saved. The wife should not be the spiritual leader of the family. That that is the role of the husband. Because the husband is the head of the family, as Christ is the head of the church. We've, we've discussed that. That this issue arises where women want to be pastors because there are weak men that allow them. That the world is allowed to dictate how the church is run. So those that are women that feel called to be pastors, pray about it. Then after you pray, seek counsel. See what those that you trust say compared to the scriptures. Because the scriptures are our authority, not what people think. That when it says, husband of one wife, that's pretty simple. So if you feel called to be a pastor... And you're a woman. You're not qualified. You don't meet the qualifications of it. Of being a pastor, being an overseer, being an elder. You do not meet the qualifications. But that doesn't mean that you cannot be used by God. God uses women in teaching children, in teaching other women. That God has used women to teach men, but not in a condemning way. That it, I mean, we, we see examples of this. We see Priscilla and Aquila, this husband and wife. They, um, they come to Apollos, who only knew the scriptures up to the baptism of John, and he was preaching that. They take him aside, and they instruct him. Okay, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Aquila wasn't doing all the talking. I'm sure Priscilla was there, talking as well. Being an encourager, helping him see, because ladies, you are more gentle in your speech than a lot of men are. You have a lot more empathy than men. We'll very quickly say, you're wrong. That's it. That was stupid to say. Ladies, you are more eloquent in your speech. That is a gift that God has given you. So God definitely uses women to teach, but not in a pastoral duty, not in a pastoral role. That no matter what you feel, 
no matter what the culture tells you, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then there's something off and it's not the scriptures. That it's most likely your feelings. Because the scriptures are not going to contradict themselves. The scriptures are not going to speak of an order against the created order that God has given to us. And the scriptures tell us women cannot be pastors. Very simple. Um, Paul talks about, I do not permit a woman to teach in 1 Timothy 2, verse 12. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to practice authority over or to, um, or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to be quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So what is what is Paul saying there? I do not per permit women to teach. Does that mean at all? Does that mean women are supposed to stay ignorant? No. Paul is saying women are to learn women are to study the scriptures that's not spoken against in scripture but as far as practicing authority over men in a preaching role that is not permitted Now, are there examples of women that God has used throughout history? Absolutely. We see throughout the scriptures, God using women in various um, roles as leaders that we have examples of Deborah in Judges 4 that in the absence of a strong man, the Lord used Deborah to bring about his will on this one occasion. But whenever it came to going to war with the enemies, Deborah did not lead the troops. She chose a man, Barak, and he led the troops. We do see examples of Miriam in Exodus 15, that she's called a prophetess, being one who speaks for God. But hers was more of a musical event, that she's singing a song in praise to the Lord. That we see... The example in 2 Kings 22 of a woman named Huldah. We see Anna at the temple um, when Jesus was taken to be dedicated, that she spoke a word from the Lord, but she was not a lifelong prophet. No woman ever within the scriptures has a long-standing, ongoing prophetic role. That, that's not how God has designed it. That God will definitely use women in strong ways. God doesn't want weak women. God wants strong women. Men should want strong women. 
But when it comes to the role of a pastor, it is a duty set aside for only men because that is how God has designed it. That we don't see throughout the scriptures a woman as a priest. We don't see any women as spiritual leaders. We don't see any woman, women as prophets outside of the Old Testament. That women were given their moment in the sun. And the reason why was because men were not stepping up. That when a man is not willing to do the work of being the leader, that's when you have women that see a void and they will step in. Because... That's how, that's part of the curse. That you go back to Genesis 3, when God is telling Adam and Eve their punishment for eating the fruit. That God says to Eve that he will multiply her pain in childbearing because of what she has done. That she will desire, that her desire will be for her husband. Now, when, when we see that, there it's important to see that God is not saying that women should not have a desire for their husband. That's not, it's not a speaking sexually. It is speaking of that she will want to be the leader. She will want to be the one that brings about being the head of the family. That her desire will be for her husband and he will rule over you. That the husband will have to be at times firm with the wife, not physically firm, but the man may have to show his authority as the head of the family when his wife tries to usurp her, his duties. And so the, when, when we look at this, it's not complicated. And we've seen these warnings. Paul had had this issue. That's why Paul says to Timothy, this young pastor in Ephesus, that he says in 2 Timothy 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come where people will not endure sound doctrine. Wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then we see Second Timothy three sixteen, couple verse right, you know, right before this, Paul says, For the scriptures are God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So no matter what you feel, no matter what the culture tells you, it is what does the scriptures say? The scriptures are our authority. And the scriptures in the qualifications of a pastor, of an elder, of an overseer, are for men. Not meaning that God doesn't use women. God has gifted women in so many ways. He gives them so many things. God uses women greatly in the church. But it seems to me, as in the garden, because we think we've, quote, evolved past how people were for several thousand years. We are exactly the same. The difference is we have more technology. We have more computers. But we are, at our core, exactly the same. That when we, when we look at it, how God has designed us, When we, when we try to do things ourselves, that's when we get into trouble. That when we look back at creation, when we look at Adam and Eve's sin, Eve was condemned because she was deceived and Adam was condemned because he didn't lead. He let his wife be the leader. He didn't step between her and the serpent and say that the serpent needed to get away because that's not what the scripture, that's not what God had commanded them to do. So no matter what the culture says, no matter what our feelings say, no matter what your best friend says, no matter what the pastors say, you go to the scriptures. The scriptures are your authority. That if you cannot find chapter and verse, as far as the qualifications of an elder, of an overseer, then you have to go with what's there. But people will bring up the arguments, well, what about, what about um, children's ministers? What about music leaders? I, I don't, I don't see those as I don't see those qualifications in the scriptures. But if someone is going to be leading worship, leading the singing on a consistent basis, they must be willing to submit themselves to the authority of the pastors, of the elders. That if someone wants to, if a woman wants to lead 
lead-in music that can be okay that's i would say that's more of a church by church decision but they are not called a worship pastor because if they're going to be called a pastor then they must meet the qualifications of a pastor That's how, if you're going to fulfill a job, you have to meet the qualifications. That's how it works. That's how the, that's how jobs work. You meet the qualifications. You can put, you can fulfill that position. And so I don't say any of this out of trying to be haughty, trying to talk down i am merely seeking to make an argument from the scriptures and again don't take my word for it do your research read the scriptures be as the bereans in acts chapter 17 verse 11 where paul says that those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica for they listened earnestly and they examined the scriptures daily to see if what we were saying was true so don't no matter who you talk to no matter who you read I don't care how many degrees they have search the scriptures go back to the word of God Make sure what they are teaching you is true. Don't let the culture dictate to you what is true and false, because as we can see, the culture goes right and left, forward, backward, all kinds of wonky directions daily. That we've come to a point where you're called a bigot for saying there's a difference between men and women. So go to the scriptures as your authority. If you read somebody and they say women can be pastors, say, okay, that's what you say. But what does the scripture say? What are the qualifications of a pastor? So I implore you, search the scriptures, pray, and then go talk to people. Then after you go talk to people, after you read whatever the books that you like, maybe some that read some that you disagree with, come back to the scriptures and say, okay, this is what they said. This is what John MacArthur said. This is what Martin Luther wrote. This is what... John Piper wrote. Okay, take that, say, okay, well, how does that line up with the scriptures? Can I see that within the scriptures? Because if we're not rooted in the word of God, that's how we fall into all of these problems and all of these issues. So my prayer for you is to read the word that if you know someone that is a woman that is desiring to be a pastor, an overseer, an elder, graciously talk to them, come to them in love and say, let us look to the scriptures because my opinion it's really not worth a bucket of warm spit. That if it doesn't line up with what the scriptures clearly say, then I am wrong, not the scriptures. Because the scriptures are the word of God, and they are perfect. They are exactly what God wants us to have.
So I pray for you. Please share this podcast with your friends, with your family. If you want to interact, look up Theological Patriot on Facebook. Share this with your friends. Send me messages on the Facebook page. I'll have that in the description of this episode. Tell me topics that you want to hear, that you want to discuss. But make sure that you stand firm in the scriptures. Don't be like a ship in this in the ocean with no oars being pushed about to and fro. Stand firm in the word. I'm Jeff Rubidoux, and I am the Theological Patriot.